On today's episode of Talkin' Tom, we're up in the air with Catch Me If You Can, starring the Tom Brady of movies, Tom Hanks. Catch Me If You Can is a 2002 biographical crime film directed by Steven Spielberg and marks his second collaboration with Hanks. My mom always said, life was like a box of chocolates. episode of Talking Tom, the Pod Hanks Tomcast, where we watch Tom Hanks movies and then we talk about them. Hey everyone. <laughs> My name's Josie. I'm Daniel. And uh, today we watched a movie called Catch Me If You Can. We did. Is that I don't want I almost I don't want to spoil it right off the bat. Have you seen this movie before? Oh god, a hundred times. I this, love this movie. Oops. Yeah, okay. Now that's it. This is I I also love this movie. What a treat. Do you remember how do you remember the first time you saw it? Uh, no, I don't. Do you? I, yeah, I think I saw it in theaters. Oh, cool. I would have been 12 when this came out. Well, and okay. I don't remember, I think my parents took us. I'm, I'm really curious what the advertising for this would have been that got my parents to the theater, but I feel like I saw this in the theater. Oh, your parents don't watch movies in theaters? They were, I mean, they would take us, but they yeah. didn't like go to the movies. It's like honestly expensive. Yeah, I, I mean, like taking your kids and you, like, that's a fucking... Like, expensive. Oklahoma in 2002. Like, that's right. <laughs> probably not crazy. Yeah. Nickel. Yeah, it probably Take cost a nickel. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I went to the movies a lot as a kid, getting dropped off, and or riding my bike to the mall. Okay. I have no concept of money then, because... You were rich? It was fake. Oh, Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, it was my parents. I did mow lawns in the summer, mm. but by mow lawns, like, I... My neighbors let me cut their grass, probably very poorly, and paid me a, a small sum. A living wage? What kind of, like, what was the movie theater like? Uh, the mall movie theater was a absolute dump, but it was in, you entered it through the food court, so it was like an arcade, and there was a food court, so you'd go get, like, um, fried cheese on a stick, or Chinese food, and then go into the movie theater. Okay. I had, like, four screens. It was really weird because it was split down the middle. So there's like a, the aisle that you entered was down the middle of the theater where like you want to sit directly centered. Oh, and it was all just walking space? Yes. Yeah, so then, and so then you sat on the sides. But oh, sometimes weird. we would go in the summer and no one would be there and we would sit in the floor in the middle to like watch. We'd, that's how I snuck a lot of like rated R movies there because no one cared. I would never have the balls. Like that mall was going out of business and they were just like happy someone had bought a ticket and popcorn. So we would go. So just one theater? I think there were three, maybe. Okay. Maybe four, but I feel like wow. three. I'm losing how it used to look in my, in my brain. Yeah. I'm getting old. We had, but. like, three, like, cineplexes. Is that what it would be called? Like, the actual theater? The maybe. Building? We had, like, three of those on each end of town. But now, I mean, after I moved away, they built this ginormous, like, multiplex that just wiped out all the other theaters in town. <laughs> We have, Oklahoma, Tulsa has a few, there's like a AMC and a Cinemark, and then we have a, there's a few, the remaining malls have one that I, I don't even yeah. know if it's still in business maybe, and then we have one art theater that actually, it was like my haven, and then it closed when I was in high school, and then it reopened like when I went to college, which was really cool. So it's now, it's called the Circle Cinema, and if you're ever 
in Tulsa. If it's I a ever really cool theater. Maybe. Um, I don't know. And then they built this mega theater called The Warren that was like not associated with any big brands, but it's like gigantic and has it's when I go home for Christmas, I like look forward to going to that because even by LA, New York, Chicago theater standards, the Warren Theater outside of Tulsa is like one of the most stunning movie theaters. Whoa. In just terms of quality. Yeah, we're definitely spoiled here. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Wow. But yeah, I think I, I probably I think I saw it in theaters. But I also like it was one of my first DVDs. Okay. So what do you remember about, well, I could probably take a guess. It's probably awesome seeing a teenager, like, just pull off all yeah. this shit. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think we all wanted to relate to Leo. Yeah. Um, I mean, Hank's cool in it. Yeah. But I, can't, I think it's just, there's just so much going on and so many different things he's doing that it was probably exactly that. It's probably me being like, you know, if I want to be that, and like people say I can't do it, I'll just do it anyway. Yeah, it, uh, adults are stupid. Have you ever tried to forge a check before? No, I can't even. The only time I ever write checks is for my rent, and that's it. Yeah, that's true. I have checks only for that, and I hate it. It's weird thinking that that used to be like go to the grocery store and you pay with a check. Like I used to take when I worked retail. Yeah, people would pay for stuff with checks. Yeah, it's so weird. It's really annoying. It was annoying my first jobs at a grocery store and people that paid in checks you had to like take their driver's license and write down the number and yeah it held up everything yeah because it's so easy to bounce check or to force yeah. checks so i saw this um this show they did a broadway adaptation like a musical so you told me that sounds so cool i mean <laughs> i did not know that existed but i want to see it so bad and we saw it and i was living in washington at the time and they did all their previews like their pre-broadway run in seattle so i saw it before it was on broadway um, wow. It was pretty good. I remember, I think that's probably the first like time that I remember what the movie was about because yeah. then it was like, we watched the show and we were like, we got to watch this movie. Oh, that's because you're reverse order. Yeah. That's I think, really cool. It's all I can remember. It had Aaron Tevey in it. He played Frank Abagnale Jr. Um, and you might know Frank, um, you might know Aaron Tevey from, uh, he was in the Les Miserables, the, the movie. The Russell Crowe one? Yeah. Probably who not was he? who people want to associate with that movie, but interesting. Yeah, I didn't really like that movie anyway. I didn't even. Um, it was fun. We got to meet him after the show. We really? like went and met him backstage. I sh- I'll post pictures. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. I had no idea. That's so cool. I had to look find like a YouTube video of of a, the. It was the songs. same music people that did Hairspray, so it was like supposed oh, okay. to be like this huge hit. Yeah. It it was only on only did like a hundred and something performances before oh, okay. it closed. Hairspray did like fucking 3,000 or something. Yeah. That makes more sense. Now I feel better that I was like, I'm so uncultured that I have never heard of it. No. That's kind of the deal with a lot well, of those awesome musicals. Well, what's, um, what's this movie about for people that haven't seen it? Well, it's just like the ultimate con artist, right? Yeah. It's like this pretty low stakes, like, it's not one of those like con stories where you feel bad for the people getting con mm-hmm. because it's... Big banks. Yeah. Yeah. It's the bad guys. And... Yeah. It's a young guy kind of pulling the wool over everybody's eyes and doing like living a life that we all dream we'd have the confidence to pull off. Two and a half hours of cons. Yeah. And it's exciting every step of the it, way. It, we were just talking before we started recording, like this movie pushed, I think it's like two hours and 21 minutes, Something, maybe pushing yeah. two and a half, but it does not feel long. Like it just sort of effortlessly moves through and just paced so briskly. So much happens. And then, 
you meet so many people. There's like actors now, like Amy Adams shows up like an hour and a half in. Mm-hmm. She has a major part of the plot for a while. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer Garner. Yeah, forgot about her. Um, Elizabeth Banks. <laughs> yeah, it's some crazy. That, the women in this movie, it's like awesome. In, in, the, in the world of like Spielberg movies, I feel like it, it doesn't get talked about, but no. I would rank it in like the upper pantheon of, yeah. I really think it's an underappreciated uh, Spielberg movie. It's one of my favorites. I would agree. I mean, from my understanding, this movie was like a massive success. Yeah. Like box office smash. That's probably why I saw it, because it was probably talked about on yeah. like E! News all the time, and my parents were like, let's go see this movie. And it's not, it's not like... You don't feel dirty for watching it. Yeah. You don't feel like it's just like fun because you're like the audacity of this kid. It's like unparalleled, but it's so much fun. It's interesting because it plays up. I mean, he's quintessentially a the bad. He's sort of an antagonist. He's our protagonist. Yeah. He's a bad guy. He's yeah. He's conning. You're and, rooting against Han Roddy. Yeah, but they they set everything up so nicely where it you. It plays so nicely into yeah. it because he's Leo's so charming, like yeah. so effortlessly charming in what he's doing. Um, and he's abusing everything he can to make it come together. But you learn that he's from. It's it's interesting because he's not from. He's from a supportive and loving family that just has issues. Yeah. Because his his dad is sort of. Not con artist isn't the right word, but he's sort of. He seems like he wants has like all these kind of get rich schemes. Yeah. Um, or just down on his luck. Like, he always has these grand ideas that just don't go anywhere. But mm-hmm. rather than ever be honest, he always sort of gives the implication of like great things are coming and they and never like are. He planned it all along. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about how, I mean, I, there's probably two, two big main players. Yeah. And then a, a bunch of really important side characters. Um, star of the film is Leonardo DiCaprio, who plays Frank Abagnale Jr. The kid's like 17 or something. Yeah. Right? And, Leo must have been pretty young when he did this movie. He must be like mid twenties at That's this point. Crazy. He's so he, good. And he he looks pretty good job. He he looks the part a lot of it. Yeah. Sometimes there's a lot of jokes where they're like, "You're so young for that," and like, but he he looks like he could be in that where you're not sure if he's just a young looking older guy or young. So I I was happy with that because sometimes they cast people and you're like, "That dude's 40. Yeah. And uh, so Frank Abagnale Jr. spends the majority of his time just, like, tricking people. He's, like, running away from this life that he's pretty unhappy about. Um, and turns out that he's being chased by FBI, FBI right? Yeah. Agent uh, Carl Hanratty, played by our fucking main dude, <laughs> Tom Hanks. And I would say Carl Hanratty is such a fun, interesting version of Tom... That I don't think we've ever seen so far. No, it's really because he—he's like, I mean, he's a no-nonsense get the get the job done, but he's also like an a-hole. Yeah. In pretty much all regards. Yeah, he's like super mean. It works. It really works for this. It Again, totally it's does. that plain like we know who Tom Hanks is and like how we view him outside of movies, and it he gets to play against you because he's just so effortless on yeah. screen. He's got a great accent. Totally. Did you find it distracting? Uh, at the very beginning. Yeah. And then I got over it. But first I thought it, when it first started, I couldn't remember if, I was like, wait, did he do this the whole movie? Just like it almost joke? sounds like a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's maybe a little bit intentional. You know, it's so funny. Uh, a lot of the movies that you and I've watched together, it's been my first time ever seeing those mm-hmm. movies. This one is one of the ones that I've seen a bunch. So it's fun to kind of revisit it yeah. through the lens of the podcast. 
But I had this moment about halfway through where I was like, oh my God, did we already do this episode? And am I like watching the wrong movie? <laughs> I don't know. I just, just like, like it felt familiar. I pictured having a conversation with you about Tom Hanks having an accent. Cause did he have an accent in another movie that we kind of like shit on a little? I think you must have. And now I can't remember. I can't remember. I have to look back at our <laughs> what movies we've done. I think so. Or it was another movie where someone else was doing an accent, maybe. Yeah. I mean, there's like Forrest Gump, but that one doesn't really... Mm, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll take a look and find. It was funny. I just kind of... But I feel like for 30 episodes, we've been like hinting it. We were excited to get to this. Yeah, so that's probably... Which is bad on us, because you're supposed to not know what you're getting into, <laughs> but lo and behold, whatever. we're 11 minutes in, and you you know what's up. Yeah. And then... um. There are other kind of like adjacent characters are Frank's dad, Frank yeah. Abagnale Sr. Who's played by Christopher Walken. Yeah. Cool dude. Really cool performance. Mm-hmm. I think he's, um, in pop culture, we have like a very specific idea of him as an actor. Yeah. And this is like a really charming, effortlessly charming um, person who you feel really bad for. Like he oh, wants know. what's best to a degree, especially for his kid. And um, just can't seem to pull it off. Well, and he just, it's like, it's like watching your own dad just like, just disappoint himself and disappoint other people and never live up to the man that he thinks he needs to be. Yeah. And all the disappointment comes from his own failures. It's not like little Frank is like, oh, my dad sucks. Yeah. He never feels that way about his dad. And and they, they pin it on... Sort of a government... The IRS is after his dad. Yes. Is he an immigrant? Am I making that up? The mom is. The mom is. I don't think so. Okay, I wasn't sure if that was a theme or not. I mean, it sort of plays into this idea that he's trying to live the American dream and every yeah. every American in, uh, institution is against him. Yeah. We don't really know. I mean, it seems like he maybe is a bad businessman, but... He's kind of brought it on himself. But it sort of starts the entire... Before we go to the other characters, like, the theme of the movie is about father figures. Mm-hmm. Like, his biological dad and then sort of this game of cat and mouse he shares with um carl yeah of he wants like there's a weird respect between them even though they're completely against each other yeah and i think that starts like the base story starts with him and his dad there so what do you think frank is looking for approval i I think approval and also the this i think he wants to earn his dad's respect by getting the life his dad's always talked about that they're going to get to they never achieved yeah because he also he has these ideas of like he can get mom and dad back together yeah so it's really a really sad thing i'm always that idea of like no think we'll do this and i got you a car and now you can go get pick up mom and yeah um yeah i think it's just this longing of respect and no matter he seems to he's so young he has no idea he knows what he's doing is wrong but has no concept of like the ultimate consequence i think he just wants the immediacy to fix things. Well, because by the end, how much money has he stolen? Is it like four million dollars or something? Like a f- insane amount yeah. of money. For it, it just be, it's just numbers on paper to him. Mm. Like he doesn't ever even really hold real money. I yeah. mean, I guess when he's cashing these checks, but he doesn't seem to really care. Because we don't see him do. I mean, he has like moments of extravagant living. Yeah. But for the most part, it just seems to be like the next. This is the next con. This is the next thing. Yeah. It's more about the doing of it. He's, yeah. like, fueled by that, moving from place to place. And he kind of find... I, I mean... Well, sorry. We'll keep talking about 
I have a bunch of other stuff to talk about. Um, and then what other characters do you feel like are important? Well, let me get um, Amy Adams' character comes in. She's a little later. Who yeah. is uh, a love interest, but also this... It's, an, again, another person that Frank feels a lot of pity for. She's a struggling nurse. Yeah. She's young. Um, it's very weird. Amy Adams and Leo are weird people who, like, don't seem to age. Like, they're older, but... Yeah, how could she ever play... It just looks like a, like a daughter. It's yeah. very... I, I can't picture her as young. Yeah. I can picture her as, like, Amy Adams. So to see her like this again, I'm like, something's off. Yeah. Uh, in a really She's cool a way. She's great performance. She's really great. And this is a very, like, a role that I don't feel like I've seen her do in anything mm-hmm. else. So... L- Frank seems to have a, like this interesting relationship with women. He's obviously got his relationship with his mom. Yeah. And he kind of, he seems to not, is vilify the right word? Like he doesn't like his mom for the way that she like abandoned his dad. Yeah. But it's he, nothing she's done to him. It's everything with how she views dad. Yeah. How he views dad. And I think he ultimately kind of translates that into the way that he treats women and the yeah. way he kind of like pursues them as exclusively like sex objects. Yeah. Objects of power and wealth. Because and his mom is, in the beginning, his mom, as things start to go awry, mom starts to see other men. Yeah. And then they divorce. And she marries um, the guy she cheated on her. Yeah. With. And so I think he feels, Frank feels like a, di- I, I, don't, I don't know what, from your, 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 you said your take is this disconnect from women where they have just a singular purpose to him. I think so. And I think it's almost kind of like a big fuck you to women everywhere yeah. is the way he kind of, it's like, it doesn't matter how much you love a woman, she'll still turn her back on you. Yeah. If she's not getting the money or the power or yeah, whatever. That's she, the way he views everything. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry. I'm not like speaking in broad terms. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's why. He like that night that he spends a thousand dollars to sleep with someone. Yeah, it's like that's all he cares. It's just like it's the chase, and it's the like I'm in. He ends up getting essentially getting paid to sleep with that woman, right? Because she gives him the four hundred dollars. He has to go cash a check, and they're not open. You know, a man like him is like fucking all about that. It's interesting because it it sort of it plays interest. It plays with us as the audience because. He is doing all these bad things. We're supposed to root, against should root to get him. We're rooting for him. Totally. But then he does things like that. But I think you're. St- I think the audience still, for the most part, is going to be like, "Oh my gosh, he did it again." Oh yeah, that's how I was feeling. Yeah, you, you feel the movie like is tailored so that you're pro Frank. Yeah, and um, it sort of just makes all of the women who most of them are are pretty. Um, kind of one-dimensional and i think yeah. probably intentionally so because if we're from frank's yeah worldview for the most of it we're supposed to see it the way he are yeah so sometimes i i step back and have to think like i was like oh this is this is a little bit weird but then at the same time i think that is what it is trying to say i agree and how successful it is um i think it i think when you step back and realize that i do wonder if a majority of how people took that in when they first saw the movie versus I'm- watching it now with our with our current discussion and climate Oh, I think you probably cheered for him, right? Yeah, I think I think I think it's built for you to cheer for him, and then hopefully take a step back. And well, I feel like the character that Amy Adams plays is a different way for him to look at women in relationships. I think he genuinely cares for her, right? I think so too. He sees I think he her. Sees, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. He sees her as like a means to an end. Like he can give up this life of con and fraud if he just 
marries a nice girl and yeah. works in a law firm. And he still, he, but he still has that control because he, she's so sort of infatuated with him. Oh yeah. So there's a control thing, but I think he also sees himself as a hero of I can get you out of this. Yeah. Type of thing. Because this is yeah. what year does this take place in? Is this the fifties? Oh boy, I should have looked this up before. Me too. Probably said it directly. It looks in the movie. like the fifties or this. But I, I think the idea of like these. These house, the housewife ideal is alive and well in this movie. And yeah. I think he views it as like, I can get her to that. She shouldn't yeah. have to work this nursing thing, even though she's like on a career path. It would be. Yeah. Well, that know. she's only doing because she's being outcast by her family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause she's so. been thrown out. Like she's, they talk about she had an abortion. Yeah. And her parents basically disowned her. Yeah. That was a really great scene. I mean, I'm just like constantly in awe of Amy Adams. I think she's such an incredible actress. It is, it is nuts her what she has accomplished. And I the feel last like she's been overlooked for so at least maybe just by me. <laughs> That's the problem. I think she's one of those people. Even the same way I think I kind of view Leo now, where it's just an expectation of greatness. Yeah, like you know it's coming, and then maybe don't appreciate it in the way where like you're just so like, oh. Yeah. Like, I didn't finish Sharp Objects, but I've oh watched like, the first four episodes and was just like, how? Yeah. She's so good. She is so good. So and the Muppets. I love the Muppet movie. With her. Yeah, that She's movie's so really yeah. good. So what do you think about Carl Hanratty? He's really interesting because he is not the con man, but uses the philosophy of the con man to, mm. to, to kind of win his game. He kind of reminds me of Friday from... Um, Oh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's a rules guy. He's unaware of how funny he looks to other people, mm-hmm. I think. I mean. Doesn't, he wants, he's, demands seriousness, but, like, is sort of not taken seriously. Yeah. And lives but he's good like at his a job. sad life. Yeah. Sort of unraveled. You don't realize it right away. Yeah. Because he keeps lying. Yeah. His entire character is based around lies that we gradually learn are fake. Yeah. Like, he wears a wedding ring. Doesn't he's not married. Talks about a four-year-old daughter. That's when she left. She's actually like 15 now. That's right. Yeah. So it's like a whole history of sort of these sad... So it just kind of builds... The movie builds progressively two very sad dudes. Yeah. Who develop a really weird respect for each other because they're both very good at their job. And... Sorry if you can hear Kevin's Kevin's story. Cute. (laughs) It's picking up really well in this mic. Um, Yeah, it's just sort of about... Sad white dudes, yeah, and the people they are along the way. And I think the metaphor, or like the the feeling that you mentioned earlier of like a father and a son, he it's the same with them. Yeah. It's so obvious, but it's such a fun little like like you said, like a mutual respect for each other, and they push each other's buttons. I love that scene on the airplane where uh, Hanratty's asking Frank how did you pass the bar? And he's yeah. like, we'll tell you if you give me half of that eclair. And he eats the whole eclair and shoves it in his like I just, I love those, like, I think Tom Hanks just shines in, like, moments of dialogue like that. That is, like, such a great example of his ability to bring life into a character. And it's just so fun to watch. It's, it's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kevin. Um... <laughs> <laughs> She's woke herself up. Um... Yeah, and it's sort of, we, we learn, like, uh, a Frank calls every Christmas. He calls Carl. Uh-huh. Um, it's sort of an, I think he plays it off, like, as this, like, game of, like, you haven't caught me still, you'll never kind of catch me. Because he knows yeah. what he looks like. They know who they're looking for. Yeah, they've looked at her in the eye. Um, 
but there's like that need and Carl figures it out pretty fast where like he knows that he's calling because he's got no one else. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, going back to their first meeting is so good. Oh my they, God. At this point he is, what is, he's not, is he, is he flying anymore or is he doing his, no, he's still, he's still I a think pilot. he's still a pilot. He stops being a pilot when he meets Amy Adams. Yeah, it becomes. And he's a like, I'm going to be a doctor now. Lawyer, and then after that becomes a. He's a doctor, and then he's a lawyer. Oh yes, doctor and lawyer. But when he's the pilot, and the first time he meets Carl, um, they've caught him. They found him in his hotel. The checks bounced, and they're going to go arrest him. And uh, Carl's in his hotel room, and Frank enters and pretends to be Secret Service. Yeah. And just kind of swaves his way into leaving with the evidence. Oh, so good. And it's so goofy. It's like a slapstick moment, but it yeah, also... You're like, you can't believe. It's just the the effortless, like, confidence in what badge. he's doing. Yeah. Here, take my whole wallet. That realization where Hanratty opens the wallet and all the labels fall out, yeah. and then it cuts to each, like, ketchup bottle with the label peeled off. Like, you're putting things together. Oh, my God, it's so good. Do you know what the deal is with the labels? Did I, I think he's probably using those to make more checks. Oh, okay. I, that's what I would assume, because he took the labels off the Pan Am airplane. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, I, I couldn't quite piece... I should have went back and looked. I was curious about the labels. That was an interesting yeah. kind of note. Gosh, that was a fun scene. But yeah, so, he, we, so we move. he starts off, leaves his home, becomes a pilot, um, kind of constantly way into being a pilot, in a clever it's way. It's just nuts. The fact that anybody... One, the fact that it's based, I mean, I don't know how true it is, but it's based on the true story of this guy that did this. Yeah. It's kind of nuts. I had a friend who either, like, dated Frank Abagnale's daughter or, like, somebody he dated was related to the Abagnales. That's like, somehow. Nuts. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I can't even <laughs> trust issues with the... Uh, totally. Issue. Um. Uh, we, so we, we meet... Amy Adams is sort of the turning point you were yeah. talking about, where he starts to, he becomes the lawyer. And he's like, I don't want to do this forever. Yeah. Like, I want to settle down. And he wants to marry her. Mm-hmm. Um, which I still find, sometimes it takes me out of the movie, and I just remember worldview, where like I'm like, you guys have known each other for two seconds. Oh, I know. It's like, who I guess that's the norm. Been. That's just what people did. Um, and so he is, we, we meet, uh, Martin Sheen is his... Is soon to be father-in-law, yeah. and I think he's pretty skeptical. But again, Frank is so effortlessly charismatic that well, it's and they're hard all kind of willing in. to turn a blind eye. Like, oh, our daughter, who we've yeah. outcast, landed herself a man who is very intelligent. Clearly, like maybe you know this yeah. is just good if we just ignore it, and let it happen. <laughs> uh, and then that is when uh, they have that engagement party or yeah. some type of party, right? There's like that beautiful scene. Uh, Frank realizes that Hanratty's close or coming or on his way, and he has to climb out the window. And is it money? Yeah, it's like, like I watched the movie blowing a while under ago, the door. That is like such a beautiful scene where Amy Adams is like sitting there. He tells her his real name. It's like, and it's really like, path- like pathetic is maybe the good word. He's just at his end. Yeah, it's so dumb. Wants her to come. Is trying to explain it. I can't imagine that getting unloaded on someone. Yeah, And having much. to sit there and be like, okay, I have to make my life decision in the next ten seconds. Yeah. And he realizes, so she turns him in, right? Or 
yeah. she does everything. She's going to work with them, with the cops. Because yeah. I think they've probably told her that she'll get in trouble. Yeah. And that's Frank is going to have like one last meeting with her, but then he realizes like she's wired or there's whatever. Yeah. And then he's on the fucking run. Like he goes to Paris, right? <laughs> she's so yeah. cute. Um, and this whole the whole movie is being told through like, I guess like it's time jumps. Like we start with them on the plane. Yeah, he gets caught. He's been caught when we when the movie starts. Right, and he's he makes one last run for hair. it. Like this guy never stops running. He eventually escapes out of the plane, right through yeah, the toilet, to the bathroom. That's nuts. Well, because on the yeah, we sort of cut between present. I mean, present day for them, where he's been caught to the past and sort of retelling the story mm-hmm. as he tells it to Carl, kind of. Yeah. Um, and toward the end of the movie, he is caught on the plane they're coming home and he learns that he just wants to call his dad mm-hmm. uh, when he touches back down in the States and it's revealed that his dad has passed away. Um, yeah. And so he sort of has a, a breakdown that I think, I think you're supposed to maybe for a second believe, or maybe I think the characters might think that it's a, a way to get out of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure it was real somewhat. Yeah. Well, especially in the bathroom at first because yeah. he's just loses it and then well, it's like the whole reason the whole reason that Frank is the way he is is because of his dad mm. so that's that's it he so doesn't he, ever get to show his dad who he became what yeah. he did and we, we he meets we forgot to mention he, he he meets his dad periodically throughout the movie yeah and it's they're strange because they're not a it's a proud father who almost seems to view his son as I think there's a weird sense of he, the son is accomplishing so much and the dad never seems proud. Mm-mm. Like he almost seems ashamed of like that he couldn't do it himself. Yeah. I also think I think the dad knows his, that Frank is like a con. I think a little bit, yeah. He's picked up. I mean, who uh, who becomes a pilot after they run away from home? Cuz it, it couldn't takes, be that easy. It takes place over like a year and a half, I think. Yeah. If I remember correctly, so I think and the dad seems to know, but like won't give his son in. So it's it's a really weird dynamic, yeah, of how they sort of operate together. But he well, never he, looks proud. He looks no. sad. No, because he could never do it. Mm. I think that's probably got to be the biggest part of it. Yeah, it's sort of that old fashioned idea of like what a man is supposed to be for their household. Yeah, and he has failed on all accounts in this regard. Do you feel those same pressures? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I grew up in a household that where um, both both of my parents worked. Okay. Um, but I think it was still pretty common in my friends and family. Like that idea is that the man brings home the the, the man is the breadwinner. Yeah. Um, I think there's been a radical shift in our generation. Like I can't imagine that anymore. Yeah. Uh, and it sort of shifted. I think my it shifted my parents like my mom was a stay-at-home mom when we were kids and then went back to work so i don't know it's not something that they ever discussed but i do think that dynamic especially in oklahoma was alive and well yeah what about you uh no i reject it but that's also like pretty on brand for me yeah did you grow up with it though um yeah i guess okay yeah i think so yeah i, I agree i reject it now i think that makes zero sense it should be the independent choice and the discussion of of whatever you're doing in a partnership. Isn't that the point, the communication to figure out what you want? I do. 
And I do think that, like, it is, like, interesting for as many of ways I feel like as a woman that I've been, like, marginalized or had pressure put on me to act a certain way. It's definitely also, it's not like that doesn't exist for men. It's interesting to kind of think about that. The shift to, the shift in worldview of what is expected of men, you mean? Uh, well, just, it's... Uh, I don't know how to say this without, I just like don't really know how to vocalize what I'm feeling. I just think it would be very challenging to spend your entire life thinking that you have to be the support system. You have to be the rock. And if you ever show any emotion about it, you're like a, you're a baby or you're like, that's gotta be pretty challenging. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? No, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Well, and I think that's the danger of what we're, what at least, uh, it's a system that doesn't benefit to... really anybody. No, and I think it's a thing we have to break because that's what makes, I think, like for mental health, really it, toxic, it's damaging. Yeah. And yeah, the idea of of why we have people that behave like they do because of what they think they're expected to be. Yeah, it's crazy. So the, you mentioned earlier that there's this like dynamic between um, like big banks, but I guess really symbolically just like people in power mm-hmm. or like big government, big big money big business against the little guy and that's it's like david versus goliath so it's exciting to watch frank kind of take down and that robin hood thing where yeah. we know we know how these banks operate yeah. and like at least you know our world is full of how they benefit yeah like in modern days so you don't feel bad for them yeah and we even see an example where like the father basically begging on his knees, like, please give me this money. Yeah. I got to catch up on my bills compared to when Frank walks in with a pilot suit yeah. on. Where suddenly this change in class can yeah. get whatever he wants handed to him. Yeah. And he does it to the same Teller person, or something. Right? It's like the same manager of the branch. Yeah, the same guy falls for that shit. Um, yeah, so it's satisfying in that regard of that, but also horrifying because that dynamic is still real. Totally. Totally. And weirdly, like the plot of Yes Man with Jim Carrey, where he just like approves all yeah. those lines. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I, I almost wonder if Catch Me If You Can's sort of legacy is that it seems so simple on the surface, but mm-hmm. there's a lot to unpack. Like it's subtly about a lot of things, about fathers and, and like men's relationship with women when like their, I, when their upbringing has caught, like made them one way and they can't seem to break it. And yeah. Big banks, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the takeaway. Um, so the ending of this movie is, it's like an interesting um, redemption story mm-hmm. where Frank ultimately gets caught, of course. He, it was always going to happen. Um, he does some time and then Hanratty uses him, I guess, in like fraud de- detection or like some kind of department yeah. He ends up working for the same people he was like antagonizing the whole movie. Well, his capture is really guy. interesting because Henry's got him, I mean, like against a wall almost literally. Yeah. But he technically gives in. He finally accepts that he's done. Yeah. I'm sure in the back of his mind he has a plan to escape, but because he, Carl tells him that <clears throat> the place is surrounded and they'll, yeah. they'll shoot you. And it's, I think there's sort of a, not a twist, but you think they come outside and there's no one there because they're in in France. Yeah, or like Germany. It's like some it's different. A he's printing money, right? Yeah. Isn't that what he's doing? 
Yeah. Or printing checks or something. He's in a huge printing press or something like that. And Hanratty, you think he's conned the con man. Yeah. But then it looks like it's maybe true, and Hanratty just wanted to be the person that did it. Yeah. That's a pride thing for him, too. Oh, God, yeah. Like, on the other end of the spectrum, he's... White whale. Yeah. Because he's been sort of in... I mean, I think even one of his superiors says, like, it's embarrassing. Yeah. So I think this is what he needs. That's sort of the end of his thing. Yeah. But then then there's the weird respect where, like, he cares. He's like, I'm going to get you extradited. We're going to get you back to the States. Like, this person, he should not... This person who has, like, put his career in jeopardy and, yeah. like, made his life miserable for a year and a half. Maybe yeah. not actually miserable, because it seems like he maybe enjoyed it. Yeah, something to do. But he's humiliated him, like you said. He's, like, mm. he's made Hanratty look like a fool. Yeah. A thousand times over. So it is interesting that he decides to ultimately, like, give him another way out. And then he, they like you said, they bring him in and he works for the FBI and becomes, like this fraud specialist who yeah. like fundamentally changed the way that that system of money works in the, in the world. Yeah. Which is funny because then I think in that pro epilogue, they kind of mentioned that like fraud, like check fraud, it ultimately like, what is it called? Like it out, like nobody even tries to pull off check fraud anymore yeah. because nobody uses checks. So it's like once credit cards become available and other things, it's like, it becomes outdated. Yeah, I'd be curious to know if with the real life Frank, if he continued on with fraud in 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 the new things when credit cards came around, did he work to like yeah. like if there's that obsession and love and like gift is maybe not the right word, but that gift of yeah. like I know how to like beat this system. Yeah. It is crazy. Like a mind like that, you he could have just done so much. Um it kind of reminds me, like, Ted Bundy is, like, crazy talked about all the time right now mm-hmm. with that, um, the Ted Bundy tapes that just came out on Netflix. And it's, like, kind of the same thing. I mean, obviously not. I'm not saying they're, like... But it's both, like, very intelligent men who were very charming and able to kind of pull off the unthinkable um, simply because they're so charming <laughs> and somewhat intelligent. They're both things of... If you... If this, if Catch If You Can wasn't based on a true story, it would seem like such a movie Outlandish. movie. Outlandish. Yeah, it'd be like, this is a little bit over the top. Yeah. I uh, did, um, the movie's based off the the biography, which isn't entirely truthful. It's like kind of an exaggerated version of things, which I think it even says in the beginning of the book, like some of these things are exaggerated. Yeah. Like, I think I read somewhere that it wouldn't have ever been possible for Frank to climb through the toilet like he did on the airplane mm. because that system is all closed up and he'd have to squeeze through a pipe that was like four inches in diameter or something. <laughs> like it just realistically could have never happened the way that he says. I had read some stuff that there were a few, I'd, I'd like actually like to read the biography, but there's a few, like the, I think the biography is not much about the dad. The dad is sort of added into the movie mm-hmm. to be a more emotional um, arc yeah along with him what th- let's talk about it from a director's point of view that's something I never really think about choices Spielberg made that you noticed I mean Spielberg's a really he's sort of famous for being a nostalgic director uh-huh. and I don't know this is this just seems so effortless in his hands like yeah. someone at the top of their game I mean he's coming off the most insane 90s streak of movies yeah with Schindler's List Jurassic Park uh, Saving Private Ryan everything in between mm-hmm. um I don't know, his, it's, like we said, over nearly two and a half hours, the entire idea of the movie is you have to root for people who are bad, even if they, you know, think that they're 
whatever they're doing is good or the way that they play it. Um, it is a fun dynamic to watch. There's sort of a thing I think Spielberg does where sometimes his directing um, becomes unnoticeable, which I think is a, the trait of a really talented director. You don't notice the style until you pay attention because it just sort of breathes into every scene. Every scene is orchestrated and and put together to not make you realize what you're viewing. Like, it's not yeah. flashy. It exists to help further the story. And I think that's, this is the prime example of probably why the movie doesn't feel its length. It just is so... Just, we move and we move and we move in the same way that Frank's moving. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know that he's going to get caught. You know what's going to ultimately happen, but it's so much fun watching it all. Then because it starts the movie with you knowing, like, we have to get to this point. Yeah. Um, you don't watch it as, like, this... Like, when will the twist come of this and that? Yeah. You get to instead watch it as like a character piece. Yeah. Which is really cool. I think in the hands of a lesser director, it would have been sort of this twisty, turny, mystery type of thing, perhaps. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's weird. It's Again, I, I said it earlier, but it, it, sort, it sort of seems to come up as like lesser talked Spielberg. And I'm surprised. I feel like it's just someone so that's so good at what they're doing that it blends i i think maybe well, i don't know if everybody else feels like this i think of this more as like a leo and a tom hanks like a vehicle like a big example of their ability and technique and i don't really ever i have to remind myself that it's a spielberg movie yeah it, it's sort of it, i think because it became uh, i mean this was like five years after titanic yeah i don't remember what leo did in between but he is obviously a hugely rising star and Tom Hanks has already won. So probably sold on that versus, and then like the cherry on top is like, Oh, it's also a Spielberg movie. Like this movie would have done well without that. And then on top of it, you have a master at work. Totally. Well, I think it's obvious how we both feel about the movie. (laughs) Um, I think we sprinkled in, I mean, some of the things I'd be curious to see how some people watch it and take it because I think there are things in it that are, like the way women are treated, and so, well, especially that. I think that's the main thing where that is a questionable thing, but also a truthful thing for that period. And the, the way the audience takes that could be bad in terms of if they view it in a lens of like, I want to be Leo, I want to live that life of just unthinking, emotionally shut down, like yeah. do whatever I want. Um, I think you're not supposed to think that in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I worry that people could watch it and be like, I want this. Yeah, here's And it came out on top at the end. He got hired by the FBI. Yeah, everything worked out for the criminal. I, I do almost wish they would have went a little more on the end and given us just a little more to know that... Because I think you see that he is a sad man. I mean, he tries to run at the end. Yeah. And kind of comes back. But yeah. just a little more to the... Like, it's gonna... It's not... Like, he came out, he but his life is going things. to be... Yeah. Rough. Well, I have to say that of all the Tom Hanks movies that we've watched so far, this is hands down my favorite Tom Hanks character. I love Hanratty. I love the way that he portrays him. Um, and I probably would give the movies five stars as well. Yeah, I think I would. I, I'd do four and a half, probably pushing five. I think this and... I have to keep thinking now, but this and Saving Private Ryan are probably the two Tom yeah. Hanks movies that like really ingrained in my mind and big. Of yeah. just Tom Hanks in the iconography in my mind. Yeah. This is like one of the movies I always go to. When I think of Tom Hanks, I think of him. I mean, what a performance. In this accent. Ugh, so much fun. That's another thing where... I, you know, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, it's just another thing where 
people didn't like I feel like we don't we talk about this movie we don't talk about Tom Hanks' performance all the time because he's so same way with Amy Adams and Leah we're like they're just so good that it's why even yeah you're like it's a universal yeah truth. so it's it's fun to see that he gets to be a character we haven't seen before and, and like continue to prove why he's yeah Tom Hanks everything you need to know about him you get to know about I just I love the character I think Tom does such a good job agreed yeah so good so good all right well that sums up our conversation about the movie so now it's time for a segment a really crazy popular segment it's like Twitter is just like ablaze with people hashtagging. It's, I had to mute it. It was so out of control. No, it's like, God, it won't stop. Um, Hank's Happenings. Hank's Happenings. <laughs> uh, so did you watch the Super Bowl this last week? No. Same. I don't care about any of that. That's funny, actually. I feel like... I was working. You invited me to a Super Bowl, like an anti-Super Bowl party once, I feel. I don't mind the Super Bowl. It's not my cup of tea. Just like you were watching like Harry Potter or something. Oh, instead. no, we watched... Um, Lord of the Rings? We watched... The Super Bowl was on, but it was Key and Peele were doing the the commentary. Oh. So we had Key and Peele on the TV and... Okay. Yeah. You know what movie... This is like a total sidetrack. I'm so excited for that Jordan Peele movie. Us. Oh, oh my God. God. The trailer looks so scary. No um, Tom Hanks, though. No. Uh, well... But that's... Understood. Um, so there was a Super Bowl commercial that featured our our guy. Oh, I actually read about this. Yeah, the Washington Post commercial, mm-hmm. which is funny. I mean, it's not funny. It's like so on brand. It like all makes sense. Um, but kind of cool. There was interesting on the other side of that. A lot of backlash for that on Twitter. Oh, I not didn't a, not see at Tom that. Hanks himself, but at the Washington Post because they, I guess, I have to fact checked, but they they. Uh, let go a ton of reporters oh. and someone did a breakdown of <clears throat> this commercial cost X amount of money that would pay 56 people and this is I should look this up but something to range that, on, that would pay X life. amount of people's salary for a year and instead they used it to make a Super Bowl commercial with a famous actor oh, like a very strange choice in where we are uh, for with, with what journalists are going through right now honestly part of me kind of feels like Tom might have done this and this is like just a really good example of like how strong his like images and his team is that I wouldn't be surprised if he had done this for like whatever the SAG minimum is or because he's so pro news and he yeah. played a character who ran the Washington Post in the movie. Like I just wonder I'll have to do if some Tom really work. benefited from it. Yeah. I, I do kind of feel like we should do a minisode on just like the branding of Tom Hanks because it's something that I've obviously really like grabbed onto and I take as ultimate truth um when I'm sure it is to some degree but it's just interesting to think about like yeah. why would I assume that about an actor like you just assume the immediate best like, version best of scenario. everything he didn't take jobs and money away from people yeah. and who knows it's all legged it's not yeah. like you and I know any of this stuff <laughs> or but. like can, we can see what we can find I mean that's pretty incredible though there was also um a new Toy Story 4 spot oh yeah which I'm 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 I was like, has it? I was like, I don't need that. And then I saw the the first trailer, and now this. I'm like, I do need that. Oh my god! I had a big conversation with people. I was working too for Super Bowl, so we had the show on in the background. And one of my bosses was saying how he cried at like the last time he cried was Toy Story three, and he was like shocked that he'd even cried during that. Uh, we were all like, I'm super curious where they go with this. Um, yeah, you think it. No. But there, there was also a, a photo a week or so ago of of Tom Hanks delivering, delivering the last line. Um, which I think we talked about before. He said it was like a, a doozy. Brought him to tears. So um, what a good guy. 
Cool. Yeah. And then uh, we're still waiting on a trailer for the Mr. Rogers movie. Oh, yeah. I imagine in the next few months. Yeah, probably won't be out till. I said that as if, like, yeah, that's how trailers work. It will come out a few months before the movie does. <laughs> is, it, is it a fall release? Uh, yeah, I think it's like an Oscar. Oscar season. Yeah. Um, so maybe we'll get some Oscar Hanks. Okay. Well, let's hope so. God, yeah. that would make this fun. I'm cool for that. Yeah, maybe we'll get to go to the premiere. I'd like to. I I, I think it'd be cool to try and get on the one of the press circuits. That would be so I, I awesome. I think we can submit and say we do this, and maybe do a like a press junket and Let's for Toy try Story. It. And we have two opportunities this year. I think Toy Story is more for us. Yeah. I'd, um, I would. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be. <laughs> it would just be silent. You dream big. It's Hello. just me crying and you yeah. speechless. Great for everyone. Cool. So everyone's really excited about that. Can't wait to listen. And if they like, pump, they're like, let's listen to what they do. And they happen to click to this part. And they're like, no. <laughs> well, it looks like Kevin's starting to wake up. Well, maybe Good. not. <laughs> <laughs> Best life. So cute. Um, but it's probably time to wrap things us, up for us, huh? I think so. We will come back uh, on our next episode. We're watching the Lady Killers. No idea what that is. It's the Coen Brothers. It's a remake um, of a, I think, a 1950s was the original. Okay. Have you um, seen but the it original? It stars Tom Hanks, and it is absolutely a Tom Hanks you've never seen before. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm excited. I don't even think should I be. know anything. I won't say anything, I won't say anything okay. about it. I won't give any opinion. Uh, but yeah, if you haven't seen it, check it out and follow along. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, so that wraps up the conversation. If... Uh, you're interested in joining the conversation. You have thoughts on the Super Bowl. You have thoughts on this movie that we just watched. Catch me if you can. Um, do you feel like he got caught? Yeah, caught. caught. He done did get caught. He done got caught. That's funny. Um, yeah, just would love to hear from you. So you can do that by following our. Uh, we got a website, talkingtom.com. God, you think I've like haven't done this a million times? Uh, we got a website, talkingtom.com. That's talking without the G. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Pot Hanks Tomcast. And um, as always, we're just ready to just talk about Tom Hanks. God. And Kevin, our, the newest Tom Hanks fan, Kevin, thanks you for listening and apologizes for her snoring that is catching every time in the microphone. She's had a very busy day. It's a very hard day. She's she did watch Catch Me If You Can with me, though. Oh, so. did she seem to like it? I mean, gotta be honest, she slept through probably everything but 10 minutes of it. Cute. But she loved it and she was awake. <laughs> well, that's it, I guess. Um, so until next time, my name's Josie. I'm Daniel. Hey, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening.